Hi, welcome to Hannah's Hangout. It's me, Nicole, and today I want to talk about Beltane. But on top of that, I really want to do a quick section where I talk about what this podcast will be, its format, and the possible topics that may come up in the future. So this podcast was made for me to talk to myself. That's the basic premise. That's what I'm sticking with. If you somehow find that interesting, that is great. I'm glad you're here. I really do hope you managed to take something from this. What this will be, I honestly couldn't tell you. If you don't find it very interesting, that's understandable. But moving on, like many people at the moment, there's only so much I can keep in contact with people. And being someone that enjoys talking in depth about stuff, I've found recent weeks to be rather lacking. No offence to my parents, but they're not very interesting to talk to sometimes. It's completely understandable, obviously, that some people don't want to talk as much as they usually do. And so this is here to entertain myself and go through all the things that I want to without bothering anyone else, you know, giving people space. So that's the point of the podcast. If you want to go through this weird spontaneous journey, that will be awesome. If not, not everything can be to your taste, so no offence taken. Just to let you know, I will be talking about Beltane today, which I did mention a few seconds ago. Um, Beltane is a pagan sash Wiccan festival and is also celebrated by those who practice witchcraft. The reason I picked this is because Beltane begins on May the 1st and marks the transition from spring to summer. There are some fun little activities that you can do that are seasonally appropriate and can keep you occupied, or there are ways that you can brighten your house, your bedroom, or your day by adding any Beltane traditions or decorations. So that's the main reason I picked it. It felt appropriate and was the first idea I came up with. I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't really have any other ideas anyway, so I guess that's the main reason why. However, if you're not really into any of these religions or traditions that is fine obviously we all have free choice uh i would still argue though that it's cool to talk about just because we are into summer now and it's nice to come up with some activities that enhance your enjoyment or appreciation of the season so yeah let's just maybe stick around and see see if it suits you uh but one thing i do want to mention is that my podcast won't be based just on pagan or wiccan religions or traditions nor will it be based on witchcraft it will be on a number of things. I have a few ideas to talk about. Um, anything I'm interested in, obviously. So, on a basic level, films, literature, music. But anything also to do with psychology. As I'm coming up to the end of doing my clinical psychology masters, mental health, autism, mindfulness, maybe some politics at some point. <laughs> maybe anything that comes to mind that I'm kind of interested in. So... It won't be just on what is said today. And if I do talk about anything and it speaks to you, or you want me to elaborate or mention a topic in more detail, or there's a specific topic that I missed, by all means, you can message me and let me know. I'm still finding my feet when it comes to this podcast and what it will be. So feedback is always a good thing, even if you're telling me you didn't find it that helpful, or if I said something that may not be factually correct for whatever reason. Again, you can let me know. I'll do the best I can to address anything if you do want me to talk about it. Obviously, don't try and come for me in my DMs. That probably will not be helpful. Um, But yeah, if you do want me to talk about anything, so for example, if I talk about my experience having autism or ADHD, or I talk about psychology, 
and you think, oh, that's kind of interesting, and you do want me to cover something in more detail, I definitely will do that, so by all means let me know, but only if it's within my capability. I don't really want to speak on something that I don't know anything about. That won't be good at all. But I'll always do my best to answer you as well as I can. That's just a reassurance that not everything that I'll be covering will be like this first episode today. If this isn't to your taste, maybe some other episodes will be. If not, I don't know what to say. This might not be of any help or of interest to you. Also, one last thing, this is not a child-friendly podcast. I won't be swearing, at least not in this episode, but I will be referring to adult themes every now and again, so bear that in mind if you do have kids around, and I don't just mean adult themes in this one, but in future episodes as well, so that applies to all of them. And another quick heads up, when I say I'll be covering Beltane, I mean I'll be covering what it means before I do get to some of the recommended activities. So if you think I'm not saying much about things to do which are relevant to you, that bit does come later. Don't worry, I will get there eventually. And another quick note is that a lot of my information comes from a book I own, The Wheel of the Year by Teresa Mori and Jane Brideson. If you want the notes for yourself, you can buy the book or use it as a later reference, but I thought it would be a good idea to do a quick shout out to this book, as it has been incredibly helpful to me, and I really couldn't have done without it. Also, if you do want to make notes from this episode, which you think will be helpful, I think now would be the time to pause this podcast and get a notebook, because I will be whipping through this pretty quickly, or as quick as I can, so you might not have the chance to remember everything, so yeah. This episode really will be the bare basics of what the festival is. So that covered, let's move on to the main part of the episode. Beltane. What is it? Beltane begins on the 30th of April, according to my chart, but some say it begins on the 1st of May. If you're not entirely sure when it comes around, you can start either on the last day of April or the 1st of May. Either way, you wouldn't really be wrong so go ahead and do what you want. Uh, But I always count it as the 30th because that's what my chart says and let's be honest, I don't have a mind of my own. For those who live in the Southern Hemisphere, it would be the 31st of October, I think. Uh, So yeah, we've covered our bases there with the dates, but if you're from the UK like me, you don't need to worry about that. It will always be end of April, really. Where does Beltane come from? It comes from the Wheel of the Year, which is a yearly cycle of seasons celebrated by neo-pagans. There are eight festivals overall, starting with Samhain, moving on to Yule, Imbolc, Spring Equinox, Beltane, Midsummer, Lunasa and the Autumn Equinox. So as you can see, we're currently about halfway through the year in the cycle. One of the main stories told by neo-pagans is the story of the goddess and the god, which I will be touching upon here. But it is maybe too long to cover in full right now, so I'll only explain what it represents for Beltane at the very least. Uh, I think I will touch on the other seasons at some point, so I will expand on the story of the goddess and the god and how that all works when I come to the others as well. I think it's better though at this point just to concentrate on one season at a time, especially if you're new to the Wheel of the Year. Also, I won't be explaining too much into what the Wheel of the Year is other than what each season represents you know when we get to that season 
But if people do want me to do an introduction into the will as a whole, so it all ties all together, then I would be more than happy to. Just let me know. If not, I suppose I'll do it later anyway, because I'll probably run out of ideas. So, coming back quickly to the god and the goddess, at this point, they are both considered to be in young adulthood. So they represent the growth and energy that comes with late spring, early summer. Beltone also represents a marriage between the two, uh, and that's the point we're at in their story. We see through the wheel of the year that they go through these different stages of life in the same way that nature does, and we do as humans. But all you need to know for now is that they're considered young adults at this point, and they are married. And I, I don't know if you can tell, but I don't pay much attention to this part. So sorry to anyone who's listening and knows more about the goddess and the god. You are probably judging me for not paying attention. Overall, the most important thing to know about Beltane is that it's one of the most important festivals of the wheel alongside Samhain. This is when we consider summer to really begin. The word Beltane itself originates from bell and fire, bell being B-E-L. Bell was a god of light and fire, and in the past, to worship him, people used to light fires on hilltops to celebrate the return of life and fertility. If you do want to start celebrating Beltane, please do not go setting fires out in nature. Not unless you can do it responsibly. That would otherwise be called arson. So, going from that, there used to be a tradition where you could jump over the fire and that would bring you luck. You could jump to bring luck in love, fertility, health, safety in any long distance journey. Cattle used to be driven through to help with milk supplies and to rid of any potential infection. So there you go. If you have any cows, push them through a fire. There's a nice activity. Another old tradition was the maypole, which I'm sure most of you would have heard of. We all know the maypole is a phallic symbol, but that is very much done on purpose. Beltane celebrates fertility and sexuality, so I would say it's pretty relevant, perhaps. Also, the circular motion of the ribbons are meant to represent the spiral of life. So if you feel life has been nothing but a downward spiral, it might feel appropriate for you to join in, but really, it's up to you. There are... um. <laughs> Some maypoles still standing, as in they are there continually, not just directed for Beltane, no pun intended. So in the future, if you do want to go travelling around the UK, or even if you live nearby, there is one in Glastonbury. Uh, there are definitely others, but I can't be bothered to look, to be honest with you. But for future reference, you can find some out if you're interested in seeing one or participating in a celebration. Also, a quick shout out to Lusty Month of May from the musical Camelot. That is definitely seasonally appropriate and does show how Beltane used to be celebrated. There's a couple of other traditions like observing the Pleiades or the Pasto Obias on May Day. For those of you who don't know, the Pleiades are a cluster of stars whose name originates from Greek mythology and is often associated with Beltane. Why that is, I don't really have time to explain, but if you want to look it up, by all means... I'm sure it would be quite easy to find. As for the us, it's basically a dancer who is dressed in black and carries his frame on their shoulders, which is shaped like the neck and face of a horse, and is also covered in black. They often wear a mask that is black, red and white, which are the colours of the triple goddess. Uh, so the triple goddess is the goddess that I mentioned earlier. 
All that means in terms of where the triple name comes from is that it represents the three main stages of life that she goes through, so mother, maiden and crone. As we can see, everything related to Beltane is generally a theme of life and death, but, you know, with someone singing and playing the drum, which is always a nice bonus. Again, if we were able to travel, which may not be recommended right now, um, travelling to St Michael's Mount would be recommended, which is just off of the Cornish coast. Many of St Michael's churches were built on ley lines and were constructed on ancient pagan sites, but this ley line in particular goes through Glastonbury and Avebury as well, which are also sites recommended for pagans. Uh, plus one of the symbols for St Michael was fire, so I think we can see the reference for why that particular church is of importance to neo-pagans. The book I own about the Wheel of the Year does suggest going there and watching the sunrise on May Day. I personally have yet to go, so I can't really comment, but I think it's something that would be nice to do in the future at some point, you know, just get out there. Anyway, those are just some general themes and traditions of Beltane. Now we're going to move on to some plants that are significant to the festival and why that is. So for Beltane, the most commonly used plant is hawthorn. Going a Maine came from the notion of picking hawthorn but only on May Eve, as it would bring you bad luck, basically. Hawthorn is used because there used to be stories of witches who could turn into thorn trees as a disguise, but thorn trees are also apparently commonly used in uh, witch rituals. There is also a legend that the thorn is one of the fairy triad alongside oak and ash, and if you tie them together in a triangle, you could catch a glimpse of the otherworld folk. In terms of it bringing you bad luck, you can only bring a hawthorn inside on May Eve in honour of the goddess. Any other time, apparently that is bad luck. Why? I don't know. That's a general rule, but some say it's more than lucky. It's also good for protection against ghosts and lightning. So if you don't like either of things, you know, there you are. I suppose you're in luck there. However, if you're currently feeling depressed, there is a tradition of carrying hawthorn with you to lift your spirits. You can also plant a hawthorn hedge by your house to protect it against negative psychic powers. If you don't believe in any of this and you think it's a load of garbage, you can just plant one for the aesthetic. It gives you something to do. So this is kind of related to plants, but also to seasonal spells. Uh, if you take two twigs from a rowan tree that you've never seen before, and the suggestion is that you've never seen it, but I guess if you can only find one rowan tree, it doesn't matter. But don't take my word for it. Uh, bind the twigs with red thread into an equal armed cross and hang them on your door to keep you safe during May Day. Also, in Germany, another word for Beltane is Walpurgisnacht, which comes from the goddess Walpurga. There was also an English nun, apparently called Walpurgis, who moved to Germany as a missionary. Sorry if I pronounced any of that wrong. And uh, apparently, a rock where her relics were deposited began to ooze an oil that had healing properties. I don't know much about this in particular, to be honest with you. So I can't comment too much on it. Uh, it was a quick note that I had, but I also think it's good to expand your awareness beyond UK traditions and culture. A lot of these traditions don't come strictly from the UK anyway. They do come from Europe. 
or like mainland Europe. So I think it is something to, you know, that's good to bear in mind. There is another tradition in Germany which is centered around wearing elder blossom, which enables you to see spirits. It's also said to reverse evil magic. And there's also a rumor that the wood from Christ's cross was made from elder. Take that as you will. Uh, but it obviously didn't help him to ward off evil. And with that blasphemy in mind, there's just the, you know, the last plant statue that is related to this festival. Moving very swiftly on, we come to the goddess that is associated with the season. There are quite a few, but again, I'm still quite new to the Wheel of the Year, so I'm only going off of my book and the basic knowledge that I have when it comes to the many gods and goddesses that are associated with paganism. But some of you may be happy to hear that this goddess is Rhiannon. So by all means, use that as an excuse to listen to Stevie Nicks as much as you want, because that's what I do. Stevie herself admitted that the song is inspired by the goddess and the legend that is associated with her. I don't want to go too much into the story of Rhiannon, as it is like a long enough story and I don't have that much time. So all you need to know is that she is known as the first British goddess of love. She does come from Welsh mythology, and I have to say, when I was younger, I had a book of Welsh mythology and legends, and they have some really cool stories. Uh, I have no idea where it's gone, but I'm pretty sure I still have it. But it, they are worth reading, so if you ever want to look more into stuff like that, just Celtic legends and mythology in general, they are sometimes more interesting than English ones. Anyway, Rhiannon is chosen because she represents a kind of passionate love that is associated with Beltane, but her story also represents a changing in life that comes with summer. Another symbol that appears a lot throughout the legend is the symbol of the horse, which, as we know, is already used in the Abias tradition. There is also a sexual reference which comes from the word riding, as one would perhaps do on a horse, but also elsewhere. Um, I'm sure most people will find that allusion to be funny, but Beltane is a story about love and passion, and we also see sexual references in other traditions, such as the maypole. Okay, so... I do want to quickly say here that pagans often get a reputation for being sexually active, but not in a good way. They are often seen as occultists who have no inhibitions whatsoever and do these weird rituals that can very often be sexual. Um, I can assure you that is not the case. You may ask me, why do so many sex symbols come up then, if that's not true? Well, as I said earlier, Bartone is a celebration of summer. And it's when the earth is the most fertile and nature is fully blossoming. So naturally, we then associate that with reproduction and the whole process that comes with it. That's why this season and most spring slash summer seasons in the Wheel of the Year have sexual connotations. It's not because pagans are, you know, like sex mad. You won't really find it to be a theme once we get to fall or winter as much. I feel that it's important to bring this up as there are definitely a lot of misconceptions about paganism and sex, and as I have started on this season, it feels as if this has reinforced that notion, but I can really assure you that that is not the case. 
coming back to Rhiannon, the tradition of the drum playing, which again we see in the Abyas tradition, is seen in Rhiannon's legend, where the shaman who can travel between our world and the other world plays the drum, which also happens to sound like horses' hooves and is the sound that accompanies them to the spirit realm, a role that Rhiannon does take at some point during her story. If you think that sounds really strange, remember this is a mythological story. So take it as you will, really. But if you do want to know more about Rhiannon in general, I would definitely suggest you look her up. Without getting too much into it, Rhiannon is such a popular goddess in general, let alone in Beltane, because she does represent the many aspects of womanhood and the great mother herself. Her animal counterparts, such as the horse and the birds, are very popular symbols of spring and summer, but mainly the legend of Rhiannon is about respecting ourselves, our bodies, and the earth. For women especially, they do really connect to that message, and it can be easy to see why if you look it up more. So by all means, definitely look it up more if you're interested, and listen to the song, because we all know and love it, and Stevie Nicks is the best. Let's get to some of the symbols of Beltane. If you haven't already noticed, one of the main meanings of Beltane is sexuality, but also sensuality. The reason I add sensuality as a definition rather than sexuality is because it does link to sexuality, but not everyone is naturally inclined to being sexual or being sexually active, so if all of those people out there, ace or not, I don't want you to think that in order to celebrate Beltane or for you to be part of, you know, nature, that sex is important or even necessary. It is not. It's just one aspect of it, and it's not that important. Sensuality would be the best way to describe it anyway, Uh, and that may also link to the Taurus zodiac, but it's about doing what is pleasurable to you in your body. That could just be about going swimming in the ocean... Uh, sitting out in the sun when the weather's nice, going to a sauna, having a massage, eating your favourite food. Literally anything related to your senses that is pleasant to you. So, okay, this is where some of the actual activities come into play, whether you celebrate the festival or not, and I think this section could be quite helpful to some people at this moment in time. So, for Beltane, one of the activities that I would recommend that you do is to participate in anything central that you like to do. Maybe write down one thing for each sense. So for example, for smell, you might want to try some aromatherapy or have a scented bath. For touch, you might want to try baking. Literally anything that is related to your senses that can be used in activity. Those kind of things that give you pure pleasure. Uh, Other examples could be dancing or exercising, eating chocolate, there are just so many examples and they're all central without you having to have sex. If you just want to have sex then by all means go ahead, but do so safely please. Safely and consensually is the key. But the point is, is that you're doing it for fun, not for being useful or productive. The basic premise of Beltane is to treat yourself. Another important symbol that is related to sexuality is our bodies and our perception of them. It is really common for people to have a low opinion of their body, but this festival is about respecting and loving our bodies as best as we can. And I know it can be difficult right now, 
uh, to take pride in our appearance as I know most of us are in essential work or are stuck at home and we're clearly not at a point where we're putting as much effort into our appearance as usual and that is completely understandable. But one good suggestion, and this also comes from like someone who has studied psychology, I would say a good thing right now is to do something that makes you happy with your appearance. You know, wear that crazy piece of clothing that you don't normally wear, dress up in fancy dress, wear shoes or accessories that you don't normally get to wear, just anything basically. You know, those clothes that you bought but don't have the confidence to wear outside, you know, any of your favourite underwear, do something crazy with your hair or your makeup. Um, If you don't want to try any of these things, a good thing that you can do is, if you can, uh, see yourself naked more often. Becoming accustomed to the sight of your body and becoming familiar with it is incredibly important. It's a bit like systematic desensitisation, in a way, which basically exposes you to a fear and makes you realise it's unfounded. The more you see yourself, and the more you become comfortable with doing something mundane or naked, the more you become used to its shape and the way it appears, and really, most importantly, the less stigmatisation you have with your body. That is the main thing, very crucial. Another way you can become comfortable with yourself is by participating in self-massage. If you think, oh, I'll just get someone else to do it, that is not the point. Um, so if you have any oils already or even some moisturiser, that is great. If you don't and can get it online, that is also great. If you need to go out and get some, I wouldn't recommend it right now. Obviously, any other time, I'd say go for it. I know in Worcester and in Starbridge are shops where you can get these oils. Anywhere else in the area or in the West Midlands, I couldn't really say. But I would assume that even Holland and Barrett have some. I think they definitely do. So they're pretty easy to find. The oils recommended to me in the book are Ylang Ylang with some almond or grapeseed. But you can look up other oils associated with this festival and use them. Uh, just for reference, Ylang Ylang is spelt with Y-L-A-N-G. It is not necessarily spelt exactly how it sounds. When you do get round to it, you know, warm the room so it's a nice temperature, light some candles if you want, but don't light incense. Obviously you want to be able to smell the oils and incense would definitely overpower them so don't go doing that. Uh, And when you do start, begin with your feet and work your way up and concentrate on massaging these different parts of your body and apply as much positivity and love into your thoughts as you can whilst doing this. I know that that is easier said than done, but try as best as you can to fixate on the positive and pleasant things that come to mind and this activity in general is just another way to try and apply some self-love to your body and to yourself and kind of get used to you know, the kind of shape of your body and the reality of it. Um, Coming to think of it, I think in terms of where to get oils, Lush also does some, maybe. I might be wrong, uh, but maybe just check it out just in case. I think they might do. I'm now coming up to group activities, as this is the best season to do that 
and I will continue on that wavelength but if you do want to do some activities that I outline at this moment in time please do so with caution and apply common sense to everything that you do for obvious reasons. Uh, if you can do them on your own for now or with people in your household that might be more preferable. So here's where I'll suggest some things to do that I mentioned earlier. This can be done by anyone not someone who wants to necessarily participate in pagan or Wiccan traditions or who practice witchcraft. The point of these activities are to enjoy the seasons as they come and make the most of nature, which anyone can do. You may think there aren't that many, but don't forget people are usually busy and seasons only last five to six weeks anyway, so there's only so much you can do in that time. Okay, so with that said, let's start. Barbecues are very popular at this time and can be done either out in the garden, in the house or if you are able at some point out somewhere with friends or family. Walks are also recommended at this festival as it's a time when nature really flourishes and if you are able to go anywhere that is purely nature you get to experience and appreciate that either you know in quiet contemplation or any other time usually with friends which is really nice. Down in the south of England, there are some great white horses drawn on the hills. Uh, you may think that doesn't sound like much, but if you can travel there, they can be pretty cool to see. Their origin has pretty much been forgotten. The date of when they're created aren't precisely known. There's only one left, I think, where the date is more established. But either way, it is something to do that is relevant to the season. The horse that has been established is called the Uffington White Horse and is around 3,500 years old and in order to see it you'd have to be in the air and I think I don't know if they do like air tours because people can take pictures of them in the air so maybe that's something to look into. Uh, same with the others but this is located in a place of significance for neo-pagans and is reminiscent of Rhiannon and her story. Another activity related to white horses is going to the sea, as the waves are likened to white horses and when it's the summer, let's be honest, a lot of people like to be near the sea. Any activities that are reminiscent of that are fun to do. Uh, I would usually suggest going to the beach or going swimming, but if you're unable to do that right now, get creative. See what you can do, worst comes to worst, get a kid's swimming pool and you can sit in it. Or you could paint the sea if you want to be artistic. Either way, there are things you can do if travelling is not possible right now and it's a good way to stretch your imagination and see what happens. Flower pressing is also very common for this festival. I usually press flowers from my garden as I, let's be honest, I forget when I go out. Or when I do go out, I don't really see any. Uh, if you have a garden, one which does have flowers, just take a couple and press them it's not too difficult to do. You can press them by using sheets of tissue paper and placing the flower between them. Put pressure on them by using large books and leave them on a flat hard surface. I would suggest as some flowers can release some moisture to also place kitchen towel behind the tissue paper and that's on both sides so for example you'd put like the no you put the kitchen roll down that was me hitting my laptop you put the kitchen roll down the tissue paper flowers, tissue paper, kitchen towel and then the books just so you don't get confused there. 
Um, I suggest this, yeah, because I have marked a couple of my books in the past, and if you do want to preserve those books, I would recommend putting the towel down because you're not going to like it when there's a big brown smudge and it won't come off. So, just in case. If you have roses, they are thicker, so you may need to place them in the middle of books and pile them all on top of each other as roses tend to be harder to press, but usual garden flowers shouldn't be a problem. So, instead of putting them against the table with the books on, I would put one rose in the middle of each large book. And I mean, like, pretty large, pretty thick. Wait four to five days if you want to be certain for garden flowers and they should be done. Roses, they take three weeks. You can then add them into frames or books or even for decoration. Anything you like, knock yourself out. So for those of you who have altars, one thing you can do is collect certain objects to put on them. If you don't have one, you can take these as suggestions for decoration that are in line with the current season. So rose-coloured or bright green beads, hawthorn twigs, bluebells, ribbons, feathers, late spring flowers, white lace or horse figurines are all good symbols for the season and can be added to your altar or just to your house somewhere for decoration. Again, if you don't have an altar but do want to decorate, it's a good way to use your imagination and make your house maybe, you know, look a bit more seasonally appropriate. For food... The food that is recommended for the season by my book is chocolate cheesecake. If you don't want to use chocolate specifically, just make a cheesecake. If you don't like cheesecake, then just make a dessert with chocolate. The point is, treat yourself. Cheesecake isn't difficult to make for any of you who may be concerned, who don't have a lot of experience in baking. I mean, I've personally never had a problem with it and I haven't made it loads it is something fun to do, so by all means try it out. My book does include a recipe if you want it, but I've never tried it. Um, usually if I do want to try something, I just find a recipe online that has good reviews. But I did recently discover there's quite a few chocolate dessert recipes from Waitrose magazine that I have, and they look really good from the pictures. So if anyone wants to try them, I can share them instead. And if somebody's thinking, wow, she has a Waitrose magazine, I did used to work there, and if you have a card, you can get a magazine for free. So it's a free, it's free, basically. I didn't pay for it. And quickly, moving on from that, the chosen star sign for this festival is the Taurus, for obvious reasons. So shout out to all the Tauruses out there. I won't really be going into zodiacs and what they mean. If you do want to know more, by all means, uh, let me know and I could do something. Or if you want something that's way more in-depth, maybe just look it up online. I'm I'm not that much into it, but enough. Um, but for time reasons and the fact that we're focusing on Beltane, I just want to mention this is an association of the festival and it is something to bear in mind. The chakra associated with this festival is the throat chakra, which is the fifth one. I actually started on this chakra as this was the season where I got my book. I don't remember when that was. Um, so I didn't start from my base and work my way up, which is recommended for beginners. But it personally worked for me. It may not work for everyone. 
I do know some good chakra meditations on YouTube if you want to use them. Again, they've worked for me, but I can't promise anything for you guys. If the throat one doesn't work, you may want to start at the base, especially if you've never done this before. It's probably the most obvious thing to do, start at the beginning. But some people also just aren't as inclined to guided visualizations as others. So if you are struggling, that's okay. You may just need some practice. Visualizations are used a lot in meditation and whether you believe in the chakra or not, they are helpful with meditating and mindfulness. So by all means, try it out anyway, whether you believe in it or not. It does help you to visualize on different aspects of your body, mind and spirit. The throat chakra is seen as the colored blue and is related to communication of all kinds, not just speaking, but also listening as well. Um, it can also relate to an appreciation of music, poetry, any form of creative communication. That's why it's also related to creativity and artistic inspiration. Uh, a personal recommendation, but I use crystals for all of my chakra meditations and I do feel that they enhance it, uh, but it depends on you personally. For this one, I tend to use my aquamarine. It is small enough to sit on my throat, which is great. When you work with crystals, please don't go placing any large crystals on your body. It may seem quite obvious, but if you go and put a big ass rock on your chest or throat or anything else, it's very clear that you're only going to hurt yourself or seriously restrict your breathing. I say this because I feel some people may not really think about it and try. So that's my disclaimer. You can't blame me if you go and do something silly now. But luckily, my aquamarine is very small and it's also one of the most well-known stones for the throat chakra. I personally would highly recommend it. It really does work for me. Um, but there are other crystals you can use. By all means, suck them up. If you're unsure, just go with a blue one as that's the colour that is associated with the chakra so it usually works. I also use incense. But again, look that up online and see what you have. Um, sometimes if you already have incense, you might just be lucky and it will fit. If you don't use incense frequently, you might just have to make do without or buy some. But it depends which incense is suitable for that chakra. It isn't necessarily what is suitable for the season. So the incense that I mentioned later is for Beltane. Incense that is associated with the throat chakra might be completely different. So... Maybe just double check on that. If you are unsure about whether you want to try anything like this, I would still suggest you give it a go. You may be surprised and I have actually spoken to a few people who don't practice Wicca or paganism, nor do they believe in witchcraft, but they've had chakra meditations in the past and they really do strongly feel that it worked. And these aren't people that, you know, usually believe in it. So the thing is, these meditations are just like a normal meditation. They tap into different areas and it's highly recommended. Give it a go. If you want a video recommendation for the activity, you can message me and I'll drop the link. If that specific link doesn't work for you, as in you don't connect with it, that is absolutely fine. Some meditators work better than others with you and you may just not be connecting with that particular person who's doing the meditation with you. So that is completely normal. So if you like try it and it doesn't work instantly don't go 
This just doesn't work at all because that's not usually how it works anyway. This is an incredibly personal process. So like I said, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. And moving on, let's talk about incense. If you do want more recommendations, again, you can look online. If you're not really sure, you can ask me. Um, I will know where to look, even if I don't know myself. So the incense recommended, and which I do use, is frankincense, cardamom, rose petals, orange or dried orange peel, if you do want to make your own, get fancy, and patchouli. Here's a recommendation for someone who does use incense a lot for stuff like this. Frankincense is always worth having and always worth buying. I think it is literally recommended for nearly everything. Every time I look something up, frankincense is pretty much always on the list, especially for the wheel of the year, so it never hurts to have it. But for this particular season, I do also have rose incense, and I do really like that, so definitely try that out if you can get it. But by all means, try them all out, see which one you prefer. Like I said, it's a personal process, so make up your own mind and go whichever suits you. And for oils, let me just say... The oils you use in incense burners are different types of oils to the ones you would use for self-massage. Again, this may seem like I'm insulting your intelligence, but people can genuinely get confused and if you're new to this, you may not be too sure which one is which. I can assure you there are different types of oils you can get, so check what's what before you make any kind of purchase. Um, You might be disappointed otherwise when it arrives. But the oils recommended for burning this season are ylang-ylang, cardamom and coriander. If you do want to try them with a soft massage to keep in spirit with the festival, by all means get them, but get the oils used for massaging. It doesn't matter which way, just make sure it's the appropriate one for the intended use. So if you only want it for burning, just get the ones for burning. So yeah, there we are. That's the basics of Beltane. It does depend who you ask, but there are different symbols, activities, all those kinds of things. Again, if you were practicing Wicca or paganism as a religion, or if you were using these traditions to practice witchcraft, you would perhaps have various ways of doing things, and that is completely fine. If you are, you know, new to this, or you are still unsure about the Wheel of the Year, it's okay if what you're doing doesn't exactly line up with what I've said, Um, So if you're freaking out a little bit or you think, "Mm, I'm not sure, um, as long as what you're doing is based in fact, based in research that you've done, which usually, even when it's on the internet, it is, you know, it is quite factual. So yeah, it's fine. Don't think that you have to do everything I've suggested. Uh, Just make sure you double check everything you do, unless it is like a credited book or something like that, because usually it's fact checked before. If you don't practice any of these things and aren't interested, or even if you are but unsure, or anything else that's in the other category, you know, even if you're just listening to this for the sake of it, this was just a quick summary of the festival and some activities or symbols that are related to it. You can try some of the activities that are recommended, especially the ones nearer the end. By all means, they're pretty simple and easy to accomplish. And it does help you get a little bit more in touch with yourself and nature. So I still think, you know, it's a good thing to do either way. Or it's something to keep you occupied at least. And, you know, that's always a bonus. Beltane does end on the 22nd of June. 
for all of those who were unsure. So it is quite a long festival. The next will be Midsummer, so hopefully I'll be doing something for them if anyone is interested. If not, I will probably do it anyway because I have no other ideas. Uh, yeah, so I've been thinking a bit about what to do next. And for my next episode, I've decided to do a list of animated series that are good to watch on Netflix and Sky. Um, the reason I've chosen this is because I feel some adults very much sleep on animated shows, particularly ones that aren't specifically for adults, like obviously there's Rick and Morty, South Park, The Simpsons, anything like that. If it's not them, adults don't usually want to see them. Uh, so I think it would be cool while most of us are inside to try something new and recommend some good shows out there because there are some out there and it's a shame they're being missed really. Uh, I've picked these two platforms specifically because that's the main place I watch these shows unless of course I can find them online for free. I won't say where because that might incriminate me but yeah that's my plan so far and I hope that this episode was somewhat insightful Sorry for any strange noises. I was waving my hands around a lot and hitting a lot of things. Um, but thank you anyway for listening to my show, for all of you who made it to the end. I apologise if I didn't go into loads of detail, but I am on a time limit and I had a lot to say. I'm sorry I couldn't take more time to speak freely, but maybe in the future I could bump up the time limit, see how it goes. Uh, so yeah, if you do want to talk to me about anything related to this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at Hannah's Hangout. But for now, that's the only place you're going to find me. Thank you very much for engaging with me and speak to you next time.